What up, everybody? And welcome back here to the Boot Sports Network for another episode of Boots to Balls. We are all warmed up, stretched up. The hammies are good. We are ready to outkick Louisiana sports coverage with you. For all you first-timers, I am David Storm, PA announcer, game day host for your New Orleans Saints. Still a little hoarse from Sunday in the Dome. And joining us as always, my partner in crime, Double D, Donald Dunn. Oh, how is everyone again? Back again, another week. We played real football now. We did. It's an exciting week. LSU, they bounced back nicely. Oh, I'd say so. And the Saints are 1-0, and baby. Ooh. They are top of the NFC South, going all the way. All the way. I don't know if you saw the... The post afterwards, I don't know what had happened. I think it was a... So we have um, at the Dome, um, the casino. Yeah. Caesars. Thank you. Caesars. I don't know why I have a hard time saying that. I'm in the Dome going, the Caesars Superdome, the Caesars Superdome. I couldn't for the life of me remember. They wanted to do something with the Super Bowl trophy, mm-hmm. so they pulled it out. And they, like, they had it there oh, game yeah. day for folks to like look at. And uh, it somehow managed to make its way up into house controls and somehow managed to make my make its way into my hands and pictures there they're out there. The oh, internet yes. is forever. I was excited. What's not to be excited? 16, 15, the Saints win. You ready to talk some football? I think we are. Let's jump into it. We'll talk about it. All right, 16, 15, not a high score. Mm-hmm. Saints open the regular season at home against the Titans in a defensive struggle. I hate cliche terms like that, but that's really what it was. Called a kicker's party. It was very much that. Titans came into the Dome having one of the best defensive fronts in the league last year. They led the league, allowing only 1,307 rushing yards throughout the entirety of the year. That's an average of just under 77 yards per game. Mm. Saints were only able to get 69 yards rushing on 27 attempts. That breaks down to 2.6. I'll do the math for you. Saints were able to have a little better luck in the air. Derek Carr, 23 for 33, 282, one touchdown, one pick. In his first outing as a Saint, not a stellar quarterback rating, 96.1, but also not bad considering the Titans' defense made our O-line look like Swiss cheese. Mm. Derek Carr was sacked four times. would also like to point out, for those of you historians who would like to check the stats, Derek Carr and Drew Brees' debut stats, kind of similar. Some big takeaways. The offense did show sparks. It's not that Sean Payton, Drew Brees, light him up high-octane offense that we've become accustomed to. But against a very tough defensive front like we may see from San Francisco in January. maybe. They held up. They did overcome some early mistakes. There was another opening kickoff penalty. However, that was negated by the kick return fumble by Rashid Shaheed, which he made up for as well. Overall, Saints had seven penalties for 45 yards, which is not bad when you look at the yardage Mm -hmm. per penalty. But some of those did come at very inopportune times, and five of those penalties led to Titans' first downs. I got to say this. I am not a fan of Ron Torbert and his referee team. Yeah. Uh, To me, there were a lot of things that they did, both in gameplay uh, with some awful calls, some awful missed calls. Uh, But there were even things in a non-football way that were done very much that disrupted the flow of what the team was trying to do on the field, as well as what we were trying to do uh, to engage fans, to disrupt the participation in the game. 
Um, and, and the refs disrupted the participation in the game oh, and yeah. the, the overall game day experience. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. If you get a chance to go to the game, right? Yeah. Uh, there's myself and there is Mark Romig. Mark mm-hmm. Romig is the play-by-play announcer. So when you hear either in the Dome or on TV, it's third down. That's Mark. Yep. Best in the league. Not because I'm biased, but he really is. Um, when you hear him try to go, it's third. And then it cuts. Here's why. Mm. The referee's mic trumps everything. 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 So if you are in the dome and the ref turns his mic on, you lose everything. It cuts out everything else. It everything else completely drops out. All the music, all our microphones, everything. So I can't tell you how many times he was like, "Oh, by the way, it's third down." Now I know we were gonna say yeah. that. That's what we were. In. Thanks, Ron. Yep. <laughs> Thanks. I, I think game one regular season. I think Ron and his crew maybe got a little bit excited. Um, but it was disruptive to us, yeah. and I know it had to be disruptive to the players, but the Saints uh, still managed to to overcome there. The fans came supercharged. Oh, yes. They were full of energy, um, which I also, I need to take a moment to address that as well. I got to pull back the curtain just a smidge. Just, just a little bit there. There's, there's been some patterns that we have noticed uh, so far this season. And fans, I want to address that with you. You pay good money for your tickets. And when you show up, you should be able to enjoy the game the way that you want to. And we want you to. We want you to go bananas, and we want you to have a great time. Just do me one little favor. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Shh, on offense. In preseason, we saw a lot where, Mm -hmm. especially when the games would start to kind of lull in energy, and the fans would go, hey, it's time to start to wave. And that's a centuries-old tradition, and people are going to do the wave. Cool. But when you do that, and our team is on offense, all the motion, all the noise becomes very disruptive to the teams who are trying to get calls in the huddle, and they're trying to do things. Critical third downs, you know, things like that. Correct. So it, it becomes very disruptive to what your team is trying to do on offense. So I joke, in Louisiana terms, terms, yeah. when we're on offense, it's a no-wake zone. Mm-hmm. Shh, real slow. You want to make waves when we're on defense. And then we saw that actually oh, in yeah. week one, too. At the end of the game, Derek Carr's moving the team down the field. There was a huge play. I want to say it was a it was a deep play to, uh, to Chris the, Olave yeah, towards so. the very end. And Chris Olave made the big catch, brought us down into the red zone, and the crowd went nuts. And I get it. Big plays. You want to cheer the big plays? Yep. Cheer the big plays. As soon as they get in the huddle, if you could taper down just a smidge, we'd appreciate it. Yep. And you saw Derek Carr was like, y'all, stop. I can't hit stop. And it's not because the fans, it's not because the players don't want to hear the fans. Yep. It's because the players can't hear the coaches. So do us a favor. Cheer the big plays. That's right. While, they're, while they've made the catch and they're running down the sidelines, go bananas. When they get pushed out of bounds or tackled and they get up and they uh, go bananas. That's right. When they get in the in the huddle, let them, let them figure out how they're going to do the next big thing to make you scream again. That's my only one little bit of housekeeping. Make big noise on defense. Be aware on offense. Please and thank you. Um, Battle of the Kickers. Yeah, that was a, a unique aspect of the game I didn't see coming. I don't know anybody in any sort of circle saw coming. One touchdown uh, on what is two competent offenses, we thought. 
But, uh, you know, well, we get a surprise every week in the NFL. Well, and, and I say battle of the kickers, and I mean it in double meaning. Oh, yes. Because it was absolutely a, a battle of the kickers as far as what we saw between both teams. Lots of field goals being kicked both ways. But it's a very close game. Saints win 16-15. One point literally was all the difference. Yeah. Blake Groupie was perfect. Perfect. One PAT, three field goals, 10 points, all on the leg of Blake Groupie. Meanwhile, hmm. back in Denver, uh, Will Lutz, who we let go, and, and it's not a slide on Will. Uh, lots of Saints fans were very upset to see him yep. go. We were surprised to see oh, him absolutely. go. Will Lutz missed a 55-yard field goal and a PAT in his debut in Denver. How would you have felt if... Sean Payton takes Blake Groupie, and Blake Groupie is perfect, and the Denver Saints win, and we keep Will Lutz, who misses those four points, and we lose 15-12. Going to have a lot of different conversations in this state this week. Correct. It would be a very different mood set. So, uh, while I am am with you here, a podcaster, I am an analyst, I'm a PA announcer. My job is not to know. My job is to excite. Yes. And I was I was excited in the preseason for Blake Groupie. I was nervous yes. in that transitional yeah, period when they decided to let, let Will Lutz go. I am excited once again for Blake Groupie. Uh, and I hope that you and the rest of Saints fans can... As can, a uh, unashamed Blake Groupie fantasy owner... He did me well, and he did me very well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. He did lots of fantasy. Yes, he did. Very, very well. All right. So I feel like we need to, to dip into something else that uh, we talked about uh, kind of in between shows. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it last week on the episode where the, the Saints designated Taysom Hill at quarterback, mm-hmm. and we tried to make heads or tails as to why. Yep. The next day on our socials, which you should be following if you're not, we started talking about um, the Jake Hayner suspension because yep. the news came out mm-hmm. the day after our filming finished. And we tried to speculate as to why, and we, we really didn't have a great understanding of the emergency quarterback rule. Mm-hmm. So we did a little bit of research, and I'm going to try to break it down for folks who are trying to understand this. Bear with me. Your best John Madden here. Here we go. Here's here's how I understand it. Pull up the teleprompter. No, that don't. Uh, after preseason, everybody knows that teams get cut to a 53-man roster. But on game day, teams are only allowed to dress 47 or 48. That is not including the emergency quarterback. Whether or not you get to dress 47 or 48, that is based on whether or not a team has eight active offensive linemen. If they do, they can dress up to 48 players. If you have fewer than eight, 47. I don't know why. Maybe it has something to do with skilled players. Whatever. That's I'll look. That's different. With the emergency quarterback rule, you can dress up to 49. Mm-hmm. You can add that extra player, but your emergency quarterback has to be a player designated as a bona fide quarterback. So what that means is you can't name a random mm-hmm. tight end your emergency quarterback. You can't leave Taysom Hill as a tight end and say he's going to be our emergency quarterback, even though we know he's capable. He has to be a quarterback if he's going to be the emergency quarterback. Not to say he was going to be, but he has to be designated a quarterback for that reason. The rule states, quote, a club 
must have two bona fide quarterbacks on its 47 to 48 player game day active list to designate an emergency third quarterback. A club cannot designate an emergency third quarterback if it has three or more bona fide quarterbacks on its 47 to 48 player game day active list. Let me read that again. That's a lot. A club must have two bona fide quarterbacks on its 47 to 48 player game day active list. Got to have two. That's in order to be able to designate an emergency third. Club cannot designate an emergency third if it has three or more bona fide QBs on its 47 to 48 player game day active list. Game day active active list. Active being the keyword. Big clarification. If you have a quarterback that you declare as inactive, then whatever. So Hayner's out, right? He's suspended for the next five weeks. The Saints can either not use the rule and they can have three quarterbacks with a 47 to 48 player roster based on their active offensive linemen, or they can take advantage of the rule to dress the extra player as the as the, the emergency quarterback. If they do, the designated emergency quarterback has to be inactive until needed mm. based on the other quarterbacks being either disqualified or injured. So to take advantage of the rule in that current situation, to keep Taysom active in his Mr. Everything all the time yeah. game day role, he cannot be the emergency quarterback mm. because he can't be inactive. Your emergency quarterback has to be inactive. That would mean... Yep. Jameis has to be inactive. Can't have that. Not allowed. If Jameis, uh, Jameis is inactive, that means if Carr gets inju- injured by virtue of the rule, you have to go to your designated QB2, which would be Taysom. Taysom, because Jameis is inactive until he is needed under emergency. Jameis would not play until you lose both Derek Carr and Taysom Hill. So if you designate Taysom as the emergency quarterback to keep Jameis as your two, you lose him elsewhere. Because of all that, I think that uh, you're not going to see the Saints use the new rule until Jake Hayner comes back. Was it an anti-Taysom rule, do you think? Or was it sort of just the NFL wanting to give more flexibility to teams when we saw what happened to San Francisco last year? Denver during the COVID year. Denver during the COVID year. I think, uh, I don't think it was an anti-Taysom rule. Uh, I think that, Taysom is the loophole to the yes, rule. Yes, to the rule. And I think that they tried to uh, to dial in on that as much as they could. Yep, close it up a little um, bit there. But the Saints having Taysom Hill and Taysom being able to, to do Taysom, yeah. um, unless you actually make it an anti-Taysom Hill law rule, uh, they're going to find ways around it. Yep. Because Taysom Hill could be everything. You tell him that you have to list him as uh, only a special teams player. Yep. I'm fine. Taysom Hill's a punt returner. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a punt blocker. He's a punt returner. You see him on special teams everywhere. everywhere. You could put him in cornerback on the defense if you wanted to. You could put him in linebacker. He could do anything. Lockdown. So, Absolute lockdown. Correct. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to see the Saints invoking this new rule. No, I, don't I think, think you're so, going to okay. you're going to see them keep three quarterbacks as long as Carr, Hill, and um, and Jameis are healthy. Um, when Hayner comes back, I think you're going to see them maybe start to use the rule. I'm not sure exactly how Hayner would definitely be the um, uh, he would definitely be the inactive. Inactive, I'd have to think. But I've got to go back and look at it. If a team has three or more bona fide quarterbacks, it can't designate an emergency third. So, so do you switch Taysom back to tight end at that point? Can that be done midseason? I'm 
Things mm-hmm. we are all learning together, everybody, one day at a time, one week at a time. Correct. So I've done my best to try to explain it to you, but honestly, it kind of makes my head hurt. Yep. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna step away and oozah yeah. and give everybody else the opportunity to do that. If you would mind, just kind of take it over for me for a second. And one thing that is a uh, less head aching, less uh, complicated is following us here on the Boot Sports Network. We have you as an early listener, and this is a great opportunity as a fan of the show to be able to get involved with the content, create your version of this show. Remember, you can go to bootsportsnetwork.com and you can submit your questions up in our contact page and it will come directly to us and we'll be able to take it up on our next episode. Or let's say you don't like using the internet, but you like using YouTube, which is basically the internet. How about you go on there, hit the comment section, and then you can also submit there or on any of our other social medias, be it Instagram, Facebook, X, or Growing Every Day. Who knows where we're next? Go ahead. Give us a like and a follow. You should. You should give us a like and a follow. We're going to follow up talking Saints chat in just a little bit when we come back later in the episode to talk about uh, predictions. The Saints primetime Monday yep. night in Carolina. It should be a fun one. We're going to get to Absolutely. that. But you know what else was a fun one? Mm. Talk to them. Oh, well, it was fun for one team, and one team, uh, they got there, they got paid, and they had, you know, they did their best. They had a little <laughs> showing. So LSU Grambling was what a lot of people understood LSU Grambling was going to be. It was a game where LSU got to play everybody, got to keep everybody healthy, and got to have, you know, just a overall refresh on the season, a chance to get the taste out of their mouth that was Florida State, and sort of see what's next for us. You know, you saw a strong performance by a lot of the ones. Jaden Daniels put up five touchdowns in the first half, which tied a record with Joe Burrow, making them the only two LSU quarterbacks to throw for five touchdowns in the first half. Rarefied air doesn't mean anything. Only this season will tell. Will the results pay off? So, you know, we were watching in the first quarter. Me, I had producer Brett there with me. Grambling did not come out slow in this game. They did not hold back. You had um, just an absolute, you know, relentless effort, a chance to not give up. They had some opportunities where they were facing some third downs. They were sort of being held up. And they just went out and they did what a team that, you know, wasn't expected to do anything does. So, if you don't mind me jumping into that point. please do. There were a lot of people who I felt like joined me in being kind of once bitten, twice shy. Mm-hmm. After that Florida State game, they needed to see something different. The first three LSU defensive drives, very frightening for fans. Oh. Not in a good way. Uh, the same tackling issues that you saw mm-hmm. against Florida State. Gambling's, or Grambling's first three drives, touchdown, field goal, missed field goal. You let Grambling get entirely too close, entirely too early. It was somewhat nerve-wracking for a lot of people in the building. Yeah, very much so. And and I'll tell you another thing that I noticed, and uh, throughout the first half, I didn't hear a lot of the names called that I wanted to hear called. No, no you didn't. Uh, especially on defense. Mason Smith was back. You wouldn't have known it. Mm-mm. They didn't talk about him at all. I can't remember his name being called maybe more than once or twice. Yeah, you had maybe one big play out of Harold Perkins where he, you know, caught a guy coming across the field, took care of business. But outside of that, he mostly just stuck his head down and did what he had to do. And then number 18, what was his name? You wouldn't know if you were trying to figure out from the game. They did not call Makai Wingo's name. No, they did not. As much hype and as much as those guys are capable of doing – on defense, 
their name should be getting called a lot. Particularly in one of these type of games where it's known there's a talent differential. There's no, you know, questioning is SWAC versus SEC supposed to be close. It's supposed to be a blowout. Oh, yeah. LSU did their job, but at the same time, did the starters necessarily elevate to the level that is expected of them? That's where the debate comes in. And overall, you can't, you know, argue the score. The score was so overwhelming. It was very clear who did their job. But, you know, is LSU sort of playing at that championship level or are they playing at a competitive level where they can, you know, go toe-to-toe with anybody, but are they at that level where there's no doubt? I don't think they are. I think there's a lot of doubt within themselves. Oh, I can understand that. I I feel like there are a lot of folks uh, throughout the organization from bench warmers to starters to managers Mm -hmm. to assistant coaches to coaches who got maybe a little shook up after Florida State. And uh, I think that what they need is they need, they're, they're about to come into That's SEC right. play. That's right. They need to come into conference play and not have a, a grambling blowout. Yeah. You're not, I, if you have a 72 to 10 blowout against an SEC team, well, then we can then start can talking get about. Very excited. Correct. Very excited very quickly. But you need to have a, a 35 to seven. You need to have a 42 to 10. You need to have a convincing dominant win on both sides of the ball against somebody in your conference to re spark the conversation that, Hey, we are a conference threat. You should be worried about us. And nobody expected LSU not to blow out grambling. Yeah. Uh, Which is why they didn't move at all in the polls. No, they went from 14 to 14 and you look at 72 points posted yeah, and every, like very, they were the Rodney Dangerfield of yeah. the top twenty-five this week. Um, they, nobody is afraid of LSU right now, mm-hmm. and I think that's good for LSU. I would say so because now you get to play knowing what you're capable of doing, and it's time to put put fear back in people. Oh, absolutely! You do that this week in an SEC game. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start talking again. That's right. That's right. And, you know, just looking a little bit more at that, you know, LSU versus Mississippi State matchup, you're going to play a team that is not too far away from what you are right now. You're sort of sitting there, SEC West. What is this season going to be? We don't quite know yet. We know that we've had some okay performances, but it's not quite what we want to be. Which team is going to take advantage of the opportunity? Which team is going to take advantage of that Situation where they know that if they come out, they play a strong game, you can change the dialogue going forward. Because if Mississippi State comes out and they beat LSU, not only are they seen in a higher regard, but now LSU's season is seen as, you know, what people will call a wash, but I think we know internally it wouldn't quite be. So, and then LSU comes out, they dominate Mississippi State. Mississippi State starts doubting, do they have the right person at head coach? LSU goes on about their season and they're ready for their next big matchup at home, you know. It will control a lot of what we see, not necessarily just this week, but sort of the mindset of the fan base. That first SEC game says so much about what a team can be and where they're going, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it on Saturday. So I don't want to sound overly critical about what LSU did last week. The first 10 Tiger drives were touchdowns. Yeah. 70 points. Got the ball, touchdown. Got the ball, touchdown. Got the ball, touchdown. The Tigers turned the ball over on downs one time in the game. It was deep in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. 
Um, which was great because the second half of the game was basically an NFL preseason game. Yeah. You had all your backups coming in and they were all, even the second and third teamers were super successful in moving the ball. So I don't have a lot of concerns no. on offense. Mm -mm. I think that if the offensive line can give Jaden Daniels either the holes he needs to establish the running game for himself or yep. for the, the committee of backs, or we have a, uh, enough pass blocking up front that Jaden Daniels can let routes develop and he can find the open receivers, there is a possibility that the LSU offense this season can be very potent, even against your stronger SEC oh, teams. I need to see the defense step up. You got to tackle. Yep. Wrap and drop. Tackle. Don't just hit and let them bounce off. Nobody's, nobody's afraid of that. No. Um, against Grambling, 72 to 10, uh, they, if LSU had 10, first 10 touchdowns, that yep. means Grambling had the ball 10 times too. Yep. Why did LSU only have two turnovers? Against a team like Grambling, Allowing you should have... a 100-yard rusher on seven attempts. Correct. You should have entirely more turnovers. I mean, whether or not you score more points off of them or not, whether the score is 100 and whatever producer Brett said his NCAA thing was going to be, which... For a minute there, I thought he might actually hit. It did get a little close. Um, I started doing the math after halftime. I was like, oh, my God, we're actually going to get there. Mm -hmm. um, if you, The defense needed to have more turnovers. Yes, I agree. They needed to pop the ball out more often, whether they recovered it or not. They needed to show they were capable of forcing those plays. They, The secondary needed to be there more. Still by far the weakest position in the defense. Correct. Uh, that I think... The defense is my biggest question mark for LSU moving forward. And I feel like this team this weekend in Mississippi is going to be the best possible litmus test. I would much rather have them uh, face this team than uh, Tennessee or an Alabama even. Or even another Mississippi team. Ole Miss. Which we will see coming down the pipe here in just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, who's got to be feeling pretty good after putting the putting the spurs to Tulane, which we'll talk about in just a yeah. little bit. Or do we have anything I, else to I say mean, about LSU? I think LSU, we've covered what we need to cover. Uh, you know, they played a game against a FCS team, ran them out the building, paid them their check. Now they're ready to play big boy football. Thanks for coming. The cupcakes were delicious. Yes. All right. So let's talk about Tulane then. They got Ole Miss. Woo. Tulane came into the game at number 24. Ole Miss number 20. Junior quarterback, boy, we gave him some roses last yeah, week. Put him up on a pedestal, gave him a medal. And he stayed there on that the bench on that pedestal this week. He did not play. Uh, apparently, that knee injury that he, uh, that he took towards the end of uh, his season opener, a little worse than we thought it. So, uh, while he was there in Jersey, no pads. He was on the sideline. Yep. He looked to be fairly mobile. He yeah, looked to be I, moving around pretty well. So, I, hopefully, that's good news for this weekend. In his place this past weekend was sophomore quarterback Kai Horton, who was the quarterback who came in when Pratt got injured in the Cotton Bowl against USC and led that amazing comeback. Sadly, he did not have the same luck here. Uh, Horton went 15 for 37, 231, one touchdown, one pick. It was a far cry from Pratt's perfect mm -hmm. performance the week prior. Uh, I will say that I thought the game was much closer than the score actually alluded to. Oh, yeah. When you look at the stats on this one, it's really, really impressive. Both teams had 18 first downs. Old Miss had 363 total yards, Tulane 342. 
Neither team was very successful on third no. down. Tulane was nine for 22, which statistically was better than Ole Miss's one for 13. Absolutely. Ole Miss was a perfect three for three on fourth down, which was super great and helpful for them. Tulane only two for five. The edge and air yards went to Ole Miss. They had 274 to Tulane's 231. Both teams averaged two and a half yards per carry. Tulane just did it more, gathering 111 to Mississippi's, uh, to Ole Miss's 89. So, a very close game. I would say for all practical purposes, this was a one-possession game through three quarters. Uh, Tulane did not really fail to come out to the door. They really showed that you know, Ole Miss was not that much better than them, but fourth-quarter slip-ups. They played incredibly oh, absolutely. disciplined. Tulane had only two penalties for 10 yards the entire game. Uh, five for 51 for Ole Miss. Tulane controlled the clock most of the game, 35 minutes. The deciding factors in this game, like you alluded to, timing, experience, and grace under pressure. Mm -hmm. Those three things. Um, It was. It was a one-score game back and forth throughout the entirety of it. And Tulane led throughout the majority of the first half. Um, It wasn't until the final seconds of the third quarter that Ole Miss would uh, take the go-ahead with a 20-17, with a field goal, uh, 20-17. That was the lead that they would go into. And then they would just start passing it off back and forth. Tulane would start to kind of crumble yeah, in the fourth that quarter. first domino that fell. They turned the ball over on downs, and it was kind of like we talked about mm-hmm. in the LSU-Florida State game the week prior. Momentum. Yep. That is a real thing in sports, especially in college sports. Hard to come back from once you lose it. Once the momentum is gone, boy, oh, boy, is it hard to get back. It really, really is. And uh, Tulane could not get it back. And instead um, – Kai Horton tried to play through the frenzy. It was 30 to 20 with less than two minutes, 153 less yeah. left in the game. There was an opportunity if they could make some things happen, a little magic with an onside mm-hmm. kick. You're there. Then, you know, maybe, maybe you're talking about it. Uh, six plays into that drive, Kai Horton uh, gets hit. Oh, well, no, excuse me. Two plays into that drive, uh, Kai Horton gets hit, fumbles. I think. That could have gone either way. Oh, yeah. It that was. looked like it could have been a pass, but it, that's the reason why I both love and hate technology in sports nowadays. Because the high-resolution cameras and the ability to go frame right. by frame by frame by frame by frame. You can look at it at such a minute and tedious level to go, well, the ball was kind of out yeah. before the hand started coming forward. Even though if it's like just a nanosecond off. Yeah, and you saw this one on the Saints broadcast where the commentator said, oh, the hand was pushing forward a already loose ball. Yeah. What does that mean? And clearly, you know, depending on the ref, it means something different. Very much so. Um, So that ended up turning into a scoop and score, 37-20 the final score uh, for Ole Miss, uh, who would get the ball back on downs, come back, victory Mm -hmm. formation. And that was it. Good night, New Orleans. So I have some questions for you regarding that one. Mm-hmm. After that game, Tulane loses. The score, 17 points they lose by. Yeah. But the game, as we've established, much closer than that. Tulane was sitting at 24. They didn't get any love the week prior in the AP Top 25. No. They stayed at 24 after winning against South Alabama. Now they lose this game, which is a very close game. Statistically, see you bye. Yep. Knocked off the AP 25. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Ole Miss jumps to number 17. Now, 
there have been some other impressive teams, Colorado and the things that they're doing, for example. Mm-hmm. Does LSU deserve to be kicked off the top 25? Tulane? I'm sorry. Thank you. Yes. Does Tulane deserve to be kicked off the top 25? Um, you know, Tulane in its own right was playing with sort of house money, if you will, with that being in the top 25 to start the year. That's not a team that's used to that. They normally would have to grind to get there in the first place. So I think, you know, if Tulane goes on a run, they're already sitting somewhere, depending on the poll you're looking at, coaches are AP 27, 30. They're not that far from making another run back into the top 25. Should they have been dropped? That's a little bit harder to say. I think that without your starting quarterback, they took a little bit harsher fall than I thought they would. You would think that the pollsters would maybe respect the fact that, hey, the backup went and won the game for three quarters. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't pick and choose, and they're going to have to start a new run. Well, they're going to get a chance to start a new run next week against USM. You talked about uh, Michael Pratt not yeah. being there. How different of a game do you think it would have been if Michael Pratt did play? You know, I'm going to harken back a little bit early here to my prediction. I said 33-30. to 30. Wasn't that far off as far as Ole Miss went. I don't think it would have been that far off as far as Tulane. I think they tightened the gap, you know, whatever that gap was going to be, maybe by two touchdowns. You're looking at maybe instead of a 13-point victory, it's a 10, uh, it's a, maybe a three-point uh, single touchdown. I think that's really what you were going to get from Michael Pratt. You were going to swing one or two possessions into a two-lane touchdown, and that sort of put them in a better position to win, but no way would I think it have guaranteed them a victory, but definitely put them in a position to win. It would have been a much different game if Michael Pratt was playing, I think. Oh, I'd agree. And I would have loved to see it. Um, But, eh, Maybe another time. Yep. So, this early in the season, what does that mean for Tulane's postseason aspirations? Ooh, and that is the big question. Are they still relevant for late-season play? Championships? Whatever that is, AAC or, um, you know, national championships? I don't know if Tulane is still in that question, honestly. I think that they are obviously in the driver's seat for their own division, for their own conference. Are they in the driver's seat for a New Year's Six Bowl? At this time, I'd have to say yes. I don't think any other G5 has established himself as a world beater. But are they in that national championship conversation? They've been eliminated, plain and simple. So, as much as it pains me to admit, I think you're right. I think they are out of the national championship conversation. Last year, Tulane finished 12-2, and had a fantastic season, and they finished, uh, I want to say it was in the top 15, maybe 14th yeah, very, or so. Very, very close up there. In the, in the top 25. In the offseason, dropped them back down to the, the high 20s. Taking a look at the rest of their schedule, they don't have another top 25 ranked opponent. Mm-mm. They've got USM coming up. Then they've got Nichols, UAB, uh, Memphis, uh, Rice, uh, Tulsa, UTSA, FAU. A lot of conference schools, uh, they don't even have, did, did I miss that? They don't even have Cincinnati. No, Cincinnati's down in the Big 12. That's right. I missed that. So a lot of the big challenges that they faced last year. Out the door. Out the door. You're not really going to see. No, Houston. Uh, UAB gave them a tough time last year. Yeah. I think that was the only one. So you really only have one game looking forward that folks are going to go, mm, that's going to be a challenge. And none of those are going to get the national attention of an LSU Alabama mm-hmm. or or those kinds of things. So I 
as much as it pains me to say, I think it's going to be hard to see Tulane, even if they win out, no. get back in the top 15. I think you're you're correct in that. They could probably go ahead and go 11-1, and one, win the American, and you're sitting there on championship week. Maybe Tulane is sitting there with, uh, let's say, a Sunbelt team. Uh, let's just pick ULL, for instance. You know They haven't had any major slip-ups yet. And you're looking at 11 and 1 and 11 and 1. Which one are you going to take to go to a New Year Six Bowl? Yeah, I'd say they're going to be the preseason, you know, at this point. We'll call it early season favorite to get that New Year Six Bowl. I believe we saw an ESPN report come out this week saying that Tulane is the favorite still after their loss to go to the New Year Six Bowl. But at the same time, if any other team goes undefeated, that's gone. Yep, correct. And, and because of that, I think whatever glory there is to find this season is predicated on you winning out. You can't lose. And how did it make our favorite producer in Tulane just heartthrob? I like, how, I like how when we ask him that question, he starts wiping his eyes like he's crying throughout the whole segment. You want to turn that mic on? Boom! Nothing happened. Nothing Thanks happened. to the magic of producer Brett. But I was wiping my eyes because I was so tired of all of this Tulane hype. Oh. And, oh. I, and I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Tulane did not deserve to be where they're at. Their entire, entire schedule, with the exception of Ole Miss, is nothing but cupcakes. So, yeah, they're going to win out, and they may make it to some bowl game. They were lucky to beat USC. They're lucky for what they got. And once these quarterback leaves, they're going to be a nobody like they deserve to be. Woo. You know what my favorite part about that is? What's that? In pre-show, I'm pretty sure he said that he felt bad for Tulane. He did. He 100% did. I feel like we got swerved. Like the he most just, unpredictable man in sports media. Not, not even that. He's. Uh, I feel bad. Just give me a chance. I, I let me. Felt... Let me talk about how how bad I feel. Let me tell you no. about Tulane. Bam! Listen, listen. Smash. The reason I felt bad was I knowing that their entire schedule is nothing but cupcakes. I was hoping, with the exception of Ole Miss, I was UAB. hoping that they would. UAB, really, really. We played UAB last year. Meet, meet go. the Roadrunners? And um, UTSA? I was, I was really hoping they would run the gauntlet, make it to the playoff undefeated, where they would meet LSU, and LSU could battle them for the rag and disrespectfully take it from them one last time. Well, for what it's worth, before we get into another you know, post-editing debacle, at least next year they would have a much better shot in the playoff scenario. They could. I'd be. I would be anxious to see what kind of schedule they throw Tulane's way, which I oh, think would yes. depend a lot on how they finish this mm-hmm. year, uh, what bowl they go to, who they play, how they fa- how they fare in the bowl, whether or not they're uh, two time defending conference champs. Yep. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that that Willie Fritz has to do. At, I think as much as it pains me to say, I will continue to be a fan. Yep. I will continue to watch, not because I have to, but because I want to. I will continue to cheer for the Green Wave along with LSU and all of the other schools. Um, but I believe that the magic is gone. Oh, well, it'll be a fun follow to see if it's regained. I hope they do. I absolutely 100% hope they do. 
All right. Speaking of magic, how would you guys like a little magic your way? What I mean by that is how would you like someone to just give you $10,000? Could happen. Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish, they would like to give you $10,000. Family Promise, if you're not familiar with them, they are an organization that provides shelter, help, and hope for families on the North Shore, and they cannot do it alone. For only $25 from now until December 15th, you can buy tickets for their fourth annual Family Promise raffle. Starting November 1st, they'll draw for amazing daily prizes and all daily winners do remain eligible for the $10,000 grand prize drawing on December 15th. The more tickets you have, the better your odds. So get yours now at fpstp.org. That is fpstp, Family Promise of St. Tammany Parish.org. And, of course, we'd be remiss if we did not thank Tommy Talley and the folks over at Echo Tango for once again hosting us here in the lovely podcast studio you've all come to know here on our video production. Of course, it would not be what it is if we were, you know, in the dark dungeons without the great producing skills and ability to light this room. And we thank Tommy for that. Yes, very much. Thank you, Tommy, and all the guys over at Echo Tango. And gals. Yes. The crew at Echo Tango. All right. Time to kick it around the boot. All right, here we go, fast sports. All right, so if you were like me and among the many Spectrum users who were disgruntled Mm. over the weekend, trying to find your local sports on TV after Spectrum and Disney could not reach a deal to include Disney's many channels, including every Disney-owned ESPN channel, on their Spectrum lineup, take solace in knowing, according to a Spectrum email on Monday, that war is over. A deal has been reached and the channels have returned to TV with the promise that Spectrum will be issuing a credit to users in convenience Mm. during the time that the channels were missing. So if you signed up for that $80 a month Fubo subscription, don't forget to cancel it now before your free period ends. Also want to send a quick shout out to Tiger Goat Joe Burrow. While the Cincinnati Bengals took a very bad beating by Cleveland in week one, Joey B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X took a big personal win, signing a five-year contract extension worth $275 million. Million dollars. 219 of that guaranteed. That makes him the current highest paid player in NFL history. Go Tigers. And keeping it with Tiger Goats, Kim Mulkey with the Lady Tigers has now gotten into a contract extension for 10 years. Whoop! I like $32 it. million. Dollars. And that cements her as a stable house for the LSU Foundation's uh, athletic program going forward. You know, you're going to look at her as basically the uh, really dean of the SEC if she sticks around long enough. She should outlast most other coaches that are there and basically take over as, you know, queen of the entire conference in a whole so congratulations to her but her program whoa i have a question okay kim mulkey stays around 10 years how many more national championships are we winning how many hand how many fingers are on a hand that's five at least one hand Woo! i like it I'm the happy. way how things are looking at least one hand because uh it all keeps going as lsu was named a recipient from the mamba and mambasita foundation as an official kobe school so this year lsu players will not only have access to official kobe and nike branded merchandise but it is possible they will also get to don the kobe logo once or twice here throughout the season so it should be a great season for the tigers as they're getting ramped up today was media day and they uh, took to the uh, practice facility and got all the shoots shot so we'll see them in the upcoming weeks here nice Speaking of uh, shots shot, 
Did I see that the LSU Tigers ended up on the cover of a prominent magazine? I believe you did. The front cover of SI, that is. That's nice. So shout out to the Lady Tigers gracing the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, that's uh, this on month the, or next month? Uh, I believe this month on the money issue. Woo! Angel Reese and Olivia Dune, a combined $5 million NIL valuation by On3. Likey that. Likey that. While we're talking basketball, some news I not like you so much. Mm-mm. In FIBA World Cup news, Team USA would face and sadly fall to Germany in the semifinals, 113 to 111. That happened last Wednesday. B.I. was DMP with a URI. He didn't play, had an upper respiratory infection. It was the first time in the tournament any Team USA member sat for injury or illness. Sadly resulted in the U.S. having to face our neighbors to the north for the bronze medal. That game, the, the one that that neighbor, yes. Yeah. That game, along with the tournament finals, that would happen this past Sunday. Germany would beat Serbia 83-77 to for the gold. And in an overtime thriller, mm. the bronze would go to Canada. Yep. USA would lose 127-118. to A little closer to home, we talked last week about Pelicans' Trey Murphy III and his knee injury. He did have surgery to repair that tear in his left meniscus. He is slated to miss between 10 and 12 weeks, which is a lot better than the months and months and months uh, that they thought he could be out. He is slated to return around mid-November. And currently it is reported, speaking of a Team USA member, that Brandon Ingram is going to forego his ability to negotiate his contract this offseason which would have put him in line for a three-year, $147 million upgrade to that contract at the end. And he's going to go for the Supermax, which does require him to be named to an all-NBA team. That would put him at $300 million on this next contract, betting on himself. See, let me tell you why I like that. First of all, I'm a big fan of uh, of betting on yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> I wear the shirts. Nobody can see them. With no affiliation I'm, to I'm, a certain three-letter organization. I'm, I'm inked underneath, and one of my tattoos is a poker chip on my right shoulder. Um, one, it is the chip on my shoulder. Yeah. And two, because I'm a big fan of betting on yourself, literally and figuratively. And in this particular case, Brandon Ingram now said, you know what, I believe... I'm going to play so well that you are going to have to give me the max deal next year. You know what that means for the organization? A lot of threes. I tell you what, he is going to be making it rain in the SKC. If he really wants that money and he's going to earn that money, son, you best believe B.I. is going to be putting on clinic after clinic after clinic. Post shots, post shots, post shots. His motivation level through the roof. I'm Nothing excited. like a contract here. We love that in sports. Well, that was uh, all the news as we kicked it around the boot, but it would be remiss if we did not look back yep, at what happened last week. We've looked around. Now let's look back. We're going to take a look at uh, how we did with our predictions. La Tech versus Northwestern. I said La Tech 31-17. You said La Tech 38-7. The final, Tech one bigger than we both expected. Mm-hmm. 51 to 21. It's going to be a Oof. tough year for Northwestern. I was off 24. You were off 27. Ding for me. Don't, yep. don't, yep. don't feel bad. Yep. <laughs> That's about the best of my dinging. Uh, SLU versus South Alabama. I said uh, South Alabama 41 34. 
We both thought it was going to be South Alabama. You said 27-10. The yeah. final, 35-17, South Alabama. I was off by 38. I missed the boat entirely. Not quite. Not quite. You were off by 15. Ding for Donald. We're one for one. Southern versus Jackson State. I said it was going to be Southern 21-17. You said J-State 35-27. The final was 27-14. to mm. I was off by nine points. You were off by 21. So if we were going by point totals only, I should take the point for that. But uh, you picked J-State. Winners. So winners That's win. Right. So ding to Donald for that one. McNeese versus Florida. Uh, we both expected this to be ugly. Yeah, I said Florida 34-3. You said 52-3. And we were wrong. They actually scored a touchdown. It was Florida 49. 49-7. I was off by 19. You were only off by 7 overall. Congrats to you. Three dings in a row for Donald. Go Pokes. Tulane versus Ole Miss. And after what you said earlier, this hurts my damn heart to have to say. I said Tulane 44 to 42. You said 33-30. Tulane. Um, Brett said Lane Kiffin by 13. Tulane Kiffin. Go away. Now that's just Stop rude. talking. Go, could you remute your mic, please? Oh my lord. The final 37 to 20. I was off by 29. You were off by 14. Oof. And Ding Dong down there was off by three and picked the right team. So ding to producer Brett. Congratulations. LSU Grambling. I said 49-10. I had a hard time believing that they were going to cover a 56-point spread. Yeah. Um, Brett, the brain of Brett said 58-3. His Not NCAA bad. prediction, 102-14, which was almost entirely possible if they'd have left the starters in. Donald, you said 63-7. The final, LSU 72-10. to It's a fourth victory. I was off by 23 Brett was off by 21-34 in his simulation. You were off by 12, so ding for Donald. That it is four for you. It should be noted in my simulation, I kept the starters in. Oh, well. Well, next time when we expect to have a cupcake like that, you're going to have to take the starters out at halftime. Adjust the math. Saints-Titans. This is where we, Ooh, uh, we yeah. finished up. Ooh. <laughs> I think we all expected to see a little more points on the board than we got. Yep. I said 27-17. You said 34-27. We both said Saints. We know it was 16-15. I was off by 13. Donald off by 30. So, ding for me. Yep. I take two out of seven for the week. Donald goes four for seven. Brett is one for three. Overall, Donald, you are still out in front. You were seven for 12. I'm five for 12. Brett, two for five. At the end of the season, we'll check percentages. Keeping and it over 50. Overall, how we do. All right. Now, we have looked around. We have looked back. It is time to, to look, look ahead. Forward. Yes. We're going to give you the games that we're predicting. We're going to give you our predictions, but we also want your predictions. So make sure that you either, however you are listening to this, if there's a comment section, leave your mm -hmm. predictions for the games you're interested in in the comments. We'll shout you out and see how you did. We'll include you in our looking back. Um, or you can email us with your predictions at questions at bootsportsnetwork.com. All right. First game up, LaTeX. North Texas. La Tech's two and one. Mm. They were 23-point favorites against Northwestern. They beat the spread by a touchdown. They're four-point favorites in this one against a winless North Texas team. I think they beat the spread again. 
Welcome to your first win streak of the season, Bulldogs. I'm picking you again. Don't let me down. 41-30. I like that. I like that. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of a uh, inside analysis here. Uh, you see North Texas is not strong at the quarterback position, which has contributed partially to their 0-2 record. I don't think they're going to get that many points up on the board. We saw what Tech has been able to do in their first two games so far, and uh, I think they're going to keep a little bit of a defensive theme going here. I'm going to hold the mean green to 24, and I'm going to give Tech a pretty big score here, and I'm a little hesitant on it, 45. 45 to 24. Okay. I like it. Moving on, next game on the docket. Southeastern versus Eastern Washington. Mm. Both teams looking for their first win. Southeastern has been stunted on offense yes. all season. They have failed to score more than 20 points per game, averaging only 12 points per game right now, while giving up an average of 41 and a mm. half. That's mm -hmm. not a good no, margin. Not a good look there. They have faced more quality opponents than Eastern Washington has, though. Mm -hmm. Eastern Washington's last game was a double overtime loss to Fresno, 34-31. to uh, I think that this one is going to be another close heartbreaker for the Eagles of Eastern Washington. Ooh. If Southeastern does not win this game, despite not starting conference play yet, you've got to question how much success they're going to have for the rest of the season. I'd they agree. cannot start 0-3. Southeastern, it's time to lion up. Get your stuff together. I picked the Lions in a close one, 31-24. Well, you see the Lions going all the way up to eastern Washington on the red field over there. It's a day game, so you're looking at, you know, sort of late evening here back in Louisiana. I think the Lions start sluggish. I think, you know, it starts to look like maybe it's not going to work out, but late game comeback. This is big prediction of the week, and everyone's going to love this one. I got Lions 24-17. to 17. All right. I'm going to have to go back and look at previous predictions. I think that might be the first time you've picked Southeastern this season. I think it might be. I'm excited. All right, moving on. ULL, the Raging Cajuns, taking on the Blazers of UAB. Both teams, one and one. They are both averaging scoring 35 a game. Blazers have a slight statistical edge in yards gained. But the Cajuns' defense gives away less real estate. The line has UAB by two. Strictly because the game is in Birmingham. This one could go either way. Yep. I want UL in this one. I really okay. do. But I think it's going to be just on the other side of the spread. I'm picking UL, the Raging Cajuns, 34-30. got Cajuns losing on the road. Oh. I'll go with 31-21. Uh, okay, UAB 31-21. All right, moving into the big three. We'll start with Tulane. Uh, they get a little revenge on the state of Mississippi. They've got mm -hmm. USM. Uh, they are going to be uh, taking up their anger on the old Miss loss from that one. Uh, this one's going to be at Southern Miss, which I think is going to be bittersweet for Michael Pratt because mm -hmm. if the knee is good and he plays, he will shatter. Shatter, not break. Shatter the Tulane all-time passing touchdown record. I think he throws for at least four touchdowns mm. in a statement rebound win. Now, even if Pratt's out and Horton plays, I think Tulane still wins. They are too angry okay. to lose. I say with Pratt, Tulane goes 41-17 with Horton, 34-24. So Tulane's going out of conference for this one as Southern Miss is now sitting over there in the Sun Belt. I don't necessarily know. And this is, you know, a little strange here, but, you know, that Southern Miss crowd, if they see Tulane, you know, maybe a lot of people bought tickets thinking it was going to be their only ranked opponent at home this year. You know, you could be playing a little bit of a hostile crowd there. I'm going to give Tulane, you know, just the edge they need. I don't see it being big. But I'm going to say that they squeak one out. Let's 
go 38 to 34. 38, 34. Okay. I like it. Moving on. LSU also has a Mississippi opponent. They've got Mississippi State. They head to Starkville to start SEC play. Posting 72 on Grambling. It was pretty on the scoreboard. Mm, looked good up there. Uh, but I hope that it did not erase the sting of that Florida State loss. And I hope that they go into Mississippi State feeling like the Rodney Dangerfield That's of the top right. 25. How are you going to post 72 points on a team and still get no respect? Mm. We're going to find out now that this game carries a lot more weight than just the top 25 placement. Mississippi State is 2-0, and both wins against a very unmatched Southeastern team, and then a 31-24 to overtime win against unranked Arizona. The sports gods have uh, the Tigers by 10 with a 53.5 over-under. I think it's going to be a beautiful day in Starkville for Bulldog Gumbo. I want the Tigers in this one 38-20. to uh, you know, I didn't really like how Mississippi State came out and played against Arizona. That should not have been that difficult of a game for them. That sort of showed me that they are maybe not quite as high of an SEC West caliber this year. And, you know, a lot of questions going in with a new coach. You know, it was under unexpected circumstances. But with the way how Mississippi State looks to be performing, I don't think they keep it close in this one. I think it gets out of hand late. I see LSU winning 34-10. to 34-10. All right, Producer Brett, you always seem to weigh in with uh, the brain of Brett and your NCAA predictions. What we got? I have some (laughs) bad news this week. I was unable to make um, my NCAA game happen. Oh. But, But to all you Boot Sports fans, if you follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, you will see the prediction in real time in form of a short or reel. But... Mm. The okay. brain of Brett coming soon this week. So click that subscribe. The button. brain of Brett is coming soon this week. No, no, but the brain long of Brett, overdue. <laughs> the brain of Brett prediction. I'm, I like Dave's 38 number, Copy and that. I'm gonna do 38 to seven LSU. All right. Wow, that's a that's a big. But as there. always, LSU by 50. LSU by 50. Okay. Mm. Uh, and so, fans, you're gonna have to subscribe and find us on all our our social channels for the NCAA. Simulation. I want screenshots. Picture it didn't happen. All right, there on the bottom of the screen. Go ahead and hit that follow button. Yeah, you're right. All right, and last, certainly not least, Saints Panthers. Saints should have quite a Monday night in Sweet Carolina. It's prime time against a Panther team who is very much so struggling to find their identity. Panthers lost everything in preseason did not have a win at all mm-hmm. they gave the season opener to atlanta 24 to 10 last week the panthers ran 72 plays in that game they had a 281 total yards which was more than atlanta had the panthers led in rushing passing time of possession and first downs they turned the ball over three times had nine penalties for 66 yards if we have the same saints defense that we had that's right last week or better they're going to have a field day. Mm-hmm. DeMario Davis, you and your squad, you're going to hunt. You're going to prowl. You're going to kill. going to be a lot to you eat gonna on eat. that buffet. Yeah, you're right. If the Saints can stay disciplined, the offense could have a statement game against a division opponent. Unless, of course, the refs get involved. <laughs> Can't comment uh, on that. The line is only three in favor of the Saints. I'm not buying. Mm-hmm. I think this week the Saints surprise, folks. 31-9, go Saints. 
see. I think that you have a quarterback for Carolina. He needs to rebound, you know. Not the best number one first game ever, you know, number one pick first game ever. Monday night football, extra day to prepare for both teams. I think that Carolina starts this one hot. I think they're going to get ahead on the Saints. But it's a rookie quarterback, and Panthers are not very organized right now. And I think that lack of organization experience comes back around. Saints end up taking this one. Derek Carr puts up a big one in this one, 35 to 24. 35 to 24. I have to question you. Okay. The Saints hold the Titans to 15 points. Now, granted, Ryan Tannehill, you make <laughs> way more money than I do, bro, but it's not a good game. It's getting there. It's getting you, time. You are not, yeah, it's not a good game, my dog. There's a lot um, of golf courses out there, Tennessee, I hear. <laughs> They're very pretty. How do you see... I, I, I tell you what, I would take Ryan Tannehill over any of the Panthers quarterbacks. You think so? And he, yes. God, yes. And twice I, on Sunday. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, after watching what they did in, against Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I'm curious to see if, if, if Carolina puts up 24 on the Saints, Dennis Allen is going to be chewing some defensive backside oh, I when that game so. is over. I think, you know, and it's not going to be the traditional, you know, okay, just a wide 24 right out the gate. You know, I think Carolina's going to have a home crowd. He's going to want to redeem himself. You know, maybe you see Bryce Young go get one, two touchdowns real quick, first two drives, something like that. Saints defense might get a little heated after that. But you see someone like Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore, go out there, pick up a pick, take it deep maybe, who knows. Cam Jordan, maybe pop one loose. You know, we're starting to run down the field. And then the doubt comes back into Carolina's mind. Wait a minute. We are not world beaters. Wait a minute. This season is not on our side yet. And the Saints do what they need to do as an organized team of veterans and take advantage of that weakness. Side note, I think the Saints benefit from three turnovers. Okay. This game. I think they do. I think that they come up big. Okay. Big. I'll take that. What do you think? We want to hear from you. Make sure that you put your predictions down in the comment section wherever right. you are following uh, Boots to Balls here on the Boot Sports Network. Wherever you found us, there's guaranteed to be a comment section. Mm -hmm. And if for some reason there's not, go to bootsportsnetwork.com. That's where you can leave your comments. You can also find all of the various arenas where this podcast is playing on repeat, 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 repeat. So subscribe and follow. That way you can be a part of the show. Is there anything that we've missed? You know, I think we covered everything, and I don't think that uh, we even you know, pulled any punches. I think we really let everybody know what they needed to hear. For show, for show. Make sure that you're following all of our social media channels. Subscribe on TikTok. That way, when we get more boot sports news uh, throughout the right. week, you will know as soon as we know. And uh, I guess that's about it. Have a great boot sports week, everybody. And on behalf of Donald Dunn, myself, David Storm, we look forward to seeing you next time for another rowdy episode of Boots to Balls. Good night. Boots to Balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly, and if you or anyone you know is struggling with problem gambling, 
reach out to your local gambling helpline.